Amen. Hey, you can go ahead and have a seat here. And I want to take a second to welcome you this morning. If you are our guest, uh, my name is Taylor Burgess. I serve here at Cross as lead pastor. And we are thrilled uh, to be celebrating Easter Sunday with you uh, this morning. And your church family, I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there this morning. I'm wearing a tie right now. And some of you didn't think I owned one. Uh, Grayson is wearing a tie. Dustin is wearing a tie. A couple of our other male staff are not wearing ties. We thought we were in this together, uh, but clearly we're not. We have some rebellious hearts uh, that need to find the Lord. And so you can pray for those guys today. But we are so thrilled to be here celebrating. And I want to emphasize how thrilled we are to be here. Uh, this time last year, our church family was getting ready to celebrate Easter at the Highway 21 drive-in. I'm just curious, how many of you were with us at Easter at the drive-in last year? So uh, that was an Easter we will not soon forget. Uh, this was a lot less stressful this go-around uh, than planning that last year. It's good to see faces. Um, we can just say amen. We don't have car horns to honk this year, um, so we got to make up for that differential a little bit somewhere. We're thrilled to be here with you this morning. Uh, we had a blast last year just being able to go out there, pull up our cars, tune in our radios. We had to adapt and improvised just a few weeks after the world had shut down. And it was from that place at the Highway 21 drive-in, we shared this message of hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you think about it, this setting really made sense because Easter is a story of finding hope in unexpected places. 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, a small group of women went to the tomb of Jesus on Sunday morning expecting to find it sealed shut, but instead they found it standing wide open. And seated next to it was the angel who asked them that now famous question, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus was not there because he had risen. Amen. And that's what, amen. Oh man. Amen. Yeah. That is what we are here to celebrate today. And one of the ways we're going to celebrate that is a church family, uh, as we just did after our first service, after all of our services today, is by celebrating baptisms. As Cole read just a little while ago from Romans chapter six, what we're doing in baptism is we are putting on display the resurrection. In the same way that Jesus died and was buried and rose again from the grave, those who call on the name of Jesus Christ for their salvation, who turn from their sins, who put their trust and faith in him, follow him in obedience and baptism to show that our old selves have been buried with Christ and we've been raised to new life in him. And can we just right away celebrate that after our first service this morning, we had two people publicly profess faith in Christ through baptism and many more uh, throughout the rest of the morning um, today. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me uh, to Acts chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 26 through 40 this morning. If you don't own a Bible, that's okay. We have some in the back corner of this room that you can grab, uh, take with you as you leave today. Uh, but we'll also have the words on the screen behind me uh, this morning. And what we're going to see in this passage of Scripture today, through the actions of Philip, who was one of the disciples of Jesus, is a picture of what it is that Jesus Christ has done for us and a picture of how you and I can move from death to life. So from Acts chapter 20, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 8, we're going to read verses 26 uh, down to verse 33. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And as he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. This is from the prophet Isaiah centuries before about Jesus, who was the coming Messiah. 
So like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? So again, through the example and the actions of Philip this morning, you and I are going to get a glimpse of what Jesus has done for us in taking us from death to life. So first this morning, what we see from these first several verses is that Jesus meets us where we are, and he shows us who he is. Jesus meets us where we are, and he shows us who he is. The angel has instructed Philip to go out to the road that leads to Gaza. This is a desert place that we're told, and it's here that he runs into a court official from Ethiopia who served in the court of Queen Candace. And we are told uh, more specifically that this man was a eunuch. Now, in this next part, I'm not trying to be silly. I'm not trying to be crass. I'm not trying to be gross. I'm not trying to ruin Easter brunch today. I'm just trying to teach the Bible to you, okay? Um, just so for the uninitiated here, uh, a eunuch in this cultural context was a male servant uh, who had been emasculated by castration. Happy Easter. Don't Google that, please. Begging you this morning. So these were male servants, and they did this to them because they wanted to remove any sort of sexual temptation so that they would remain fully focused on their task. And so this man has, has dealt with just this humiliating injustice that's been caused against him that he's had to work with throughout the course of most of his life. And so we're told that he's coming from the temple in Jerusalem where he had gone to worship. But as a Gentile and as a eunuch, he was not allowed to go into the inner court of the temple. The Old Testament Jewish Mosaic law said specifically in Deuteronomy chapter 23 that someone with a physical condition like his was not allowed to go all the way into the temple. And so because of his physical condition, he could not become a full convert to Judaism. But this was a pilgrimage that he had made to the place of worship. We know that he has an interest in the Word of God because he's sitting there reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And as he's reading aloud, which was common for people to do in this cultural context, Philip hears him and he runs to him. And he asks him this very simple question. He says, do you understand what you're reading? And he responds, how can I understand unless someone explains? So Philip climbs up into the chariot, they sit down, and he begins to explain to him the Word of God. This man had an interest in God. He had an interest in the Word of God. He was seeking something. But as we're going to see here in just a moment, it's not enough for us to simply have religious interest. We have to have hearts that have been transformed by the saving power of the name of Jesus Christ. He desired to be on the inside of the religious system, but because of his physical condition, it left him on the outside. And his picture for us this morning is a picture of what sin does to us spiritually. In the same way that his physical condition left him on the outside, you and I, I have sinned, you've sinned, we have all sinned against a perfect and holy God, and this leaves us on the outside looking in. This leaves us separated from him and needing relationship with him and needing to be reconciled to him. And it's the picture that we see today through this one man. He desires to be on the inside, but he's left on the outside. And I fear that, that for many within our culture today, this is your story is that maybe you, you have some religious background, maybe you have a, a generic interest in God, a generic belief in God, maybe you're even drawn to the Word of God. You might own a Bible and read it occasionally, you might fill your life with good works and, and make the pilgrimage to the place of worship a couple of times a year, but as again we're going to see in just a moment, it is not enough to have a general belief in God. You need to have faith in Jesus Christ. And Philip's going to lead this man to this place. It might be that you have a desire to be on the inside, but for some reason the religious system has left you on the outside. It might be something that's in your past or in your present. It could be that you come from a different religious background and the church has never welcomed you in. It could be that you've had some sort of serious struggle in your life. Maybe you've gone through something very difficult. 
Maybe you've walked through divorce. Maybe you've walked through abortion. Maybe you've walked through just the rejection of the religious system. Maybe you grew up in a very legalistic, fundamentalist environment that was full of rules keeping. And you felt like that no matter how good you were, it would never be good enough. It could be that you're like this man. You have a general belief in God. You would say that you believe in God. You would come to worship on Easter and maybe a couple of other times during the year. You might own a Bible and read it a little bit, but this is not enough. Our culture, unfortunately, is full of what my friend Dean and Sarah calls unsaved Christians. It's people who would say they believe in God, people who say they believe in his word, but ultimately don't really live their lives much different than the rest of the world. But this is the good news for us this morning, is regardless of where you're coming from, Jesus will meet you where you are and he'll show you who he is. There's no sin that you bring to the table. There's no baggage that you bring to the table. There's no brokenness you bring to the table that cannot be redeemed and rescued and restored through faith in Jesus Christ. So they're opening up. They're in the, the prophet, words of the prophet Isaiah. And we're told that they're reading this specific passage of Jesus that says, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. Now pay attention here in verse 33. It says, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Understand, there are no accidents with God. This was no coincidence that it just so happened to be this of Scripture that this man was reading. Because he's being told of a Savior who would come, who was a servant who suffered humiliating injustice. And this man was a servant in the temple of Queen Candace. He suffered his life the humiliating injustice of being a eunuch. And he's now identifying with this one who would come to save him. And more than that, if you keep reading further into the book of Isaiah, chapter 56 promised centuries before that a savior would come and he would save eunuchs. And he would give them an inheritance that was even greater than what he would give to his own sons and daughters. And so this man is desperate to know of whom do these words speak. Who is the one that the prophet spoke of? This is his response in verse 34 and 35. The eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Who is the one who promises these things? Who is the one who will accept me? Who is the one who will restore me? Who is the one who will redeem me? In verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with his scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. The eunuch's desperate to know who is the one who promises these things. And Philip says, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. You know, many of you who are part of our congregation, you know the Gilray family, Katie and uh, her three boys. And uh, they've been with our church really since our earliest days, since we got started a few years ago. And I mean, you knew Katie's uh, husband, Donnie. Donnie was a big, intimidating, uh, physical specimen of a man. He was a Marine and got, man, you talk about the guy who was the drill instructor of your nightmares. I mean, just, uh, just look, looked like big, like WWE Brock Lesnar kind of guy. I mean, just, just huge. He's four times my size. I'm tiny. That's not hard to do, but he's like massive. Donnie was really, really big. And uh, but Donnie come from a Mormon background, and, um, and so he and Katie got married, and there was this interest in faith. He had these questions, and uh, he was interested in knowing more about who Jesus was and what the Bible had to say, and even what it meant to become a follower of Jesus Christ. But uh, Donnie, just kind of having this intimidating persona, also coming from this Mormon background, oftentimes they go into church environments, people would learn this about him and just sort of keep him at arm's length just concerned that, that he might somehow corrupt them because of what he was bringing in. So here's a guy who desired to know more about Jesus, desired to know more about the Word, desired to learn about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but the religious system shut him down. 
But uh, for several years, Donnie was wrestling with some very serious personal health struggles. It was during that time, uh, he and I had been having some good conversations. A couple of other guys in our church had been reaching out to him and building a relationship with him. It's while he was away from home receiving some treatments. It was during this season, Donnie stumbled into a church service, and he heard the simplicity of the good news of who Jesus was, and he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. I remember getting a message from Donnie uh, just a couple of days later while he was away, and in classic uh, Marine Corps format here, this was, he just gets down to the point. This was what he sent to me. He said, I came to Christ on 23 June at 0930. I confess that I'm a sinner and that my faith that Jesus died for my sin debt and asked him to save my soul by coming into my heart. And Christ is my Savior, and I've never felt so much joy. I've had a few days of just hard confessions of sins going back close to my childhood, but my faith in Christ is newly born, and I'm anxious to grow. People shut Donnie out when they saw who he was, but friends, Jesus meets us where we are, and he shows us who he is. He does not keep us at arm's length, and the good news for us this morning is that no matter your past, no matter your present, no matter the uncertainty of your future, he can meet you exactly where you are, and he will show you in all of his goodness exactly who he is. This passage closes out in verses 36 through 40 in a pretty remarkable way. It says in verse 36, as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he's, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So once again, we see through the example of Philip this morning, not only does Jesus meet us where we are and show us who he is, we see second today that Jesus calls us out of death and he raises us to life. And you remember earlier on that Philip was instructed to go to the road that led to Gaza, and how convenient of this. Because it just so happens that from the return journey from Jerusalem back to his home in Ethiopia, Gaza was the last stop for water. So just think if you're traveling out west, it's like you pass a gas station. It's that sign that says last stop for fuel for 200 miles. This was the last stop for water. And so this has been a very quick turn of events here. They, he meets him on the road. He finds him in his chariot reading the Bible. He says, do you understand? And he says, I don't. I need someone to explain it to me. He explains the good news of Jesus to him and explains the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means to be a follower of Christ. And they come to this last stop for water. And he asks, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? That word prevents that he uses there can also just literally translate forbid. What forbids me from being baptized? Again, remember, as a Gentile and as a eunuch, he is coming back from the place and worship of Jerusalem where because of his physical condition, he was prevented from entering the place of worship. So there's still a sense of, can the Lord accept me? Can he look past this? Is this too much for me to be forgiven? Is this too much for me to be baptized? And clearly the answer was a resounding no. Because the next thing we see is Philip and the eunuch going down to the water where he publicly professed his faith in Jesus Christ by being baptized right then and there. It's such a powerful picture that we get today. And then we see they come out of the water. The man is full of joy. Philip is carried to the next place. We don't know if these two ever met each other again. But it was this single, short, supernatural encounter that led to eternal life and joy for this man from this day forward. 
It was amazing. I remember when Donnie uh, returned home just a few days later and uh, came and he worshiped with us that Sunday morning. I met him in the back corner of this room and I saw him and he came and gave me a big hug. About crushed me. I feared for my life because uh, he, was, he was just excited and he was sharing this newfound joy that he had through his faith in Christ. And it just so happened uh, that that night we were planning to baptize about a dozen people out at Hunting Island. And so we had that plan for later this afternoon, and we've been talking for a few minutes, and he kind of had his head down. He's looking at the floor. He's like, Taylor, he's like, I've still got a lot of questions. I've got a lot of things that I'm trying to figure out. I'm still struggling with some things. I've got some sins that I'm wrestling with. He says, but am I allowed to be baptized? I stood there. I said, Donnie, I said, do you believe that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior? And he said, yes. I said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is that Savior and he is your only hope for salvation? He said, yes. I said, if you turn from your sin, if you laid your sin at the feet of the cross, and are you putting your faith in the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? He said, I have. I said, are you committed to following Jesus wherever he leads you, regardless of the cost? And he said, I am. I said, then Donnie, come out to Hunting Island tonight because we're going to celebrate your baptism. And so we're standing there, and he says, okay, uh, I should probably tell Katie. I was like, you should definitely tell your wife. Yeah. Definitely terrible. I'll never forget the look on Katie's face when she came in. He was like, hey, uh, we need to go to Hunting Island tonight because I'm getting baptized. She's like, oh, okay, yeah, let's, let's figure that out. And uh, so there's going to be some pictures of this, I know, on the screen behind me this morning. It was just amazing going out there. It took like four or five of us to baptize Donnie that night because he was just huge. I mean, I, I just, he would have just drowned me if it was at me out there by myself. And so I, I just will never forget him coming out there and the joy that was on his face coming into the water, his joy on his face as he was coming out, as he returned, loving his family. It's just this amazing picture of how the Lord, just through the simple explanation of the gospel, could transform this man's heart and he could find new life and joy in Jesus Christ. But um, as I shared a few minutes ago, Donnie, um, for a long time, suffered through some very uh, serious personal health struggles. And it was um, March 7th of last year. Um, so actually our last normal Sunday morning as a church before the world shut down. Uh, I had just pulled in uh, to the parking lot here at the YMCA and I got the message from Katie that Donnie had unexpectedly passed away. And um, man, it just devastated me. Just broke my heart because um, Donnie was working to, to faithfully follow Jesus and there was so much joy. And then just to see this unfold just several months later, this, this completely unexpected tragedy. And it's amazing though, as I was talking to Katie just a couple of weeks ago, you would never know that she has been through this immense personal tragedy over the last year because the tone of her voice was triumphant. And we talked for about 45 minutes and she talked about how good the Lord has been and how he has kept her and sustained her, how he's drawn her close to himself, how he's taken care of her and her boys and provided with house and home and job and family and church and everybody coming around them. But more than that, it was the joy of knowing that Donnie has been raised to new and everlasting life through his faith in Jesus Christ. And church, stories like this are only possible. This is only possible because 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, a man named Jesus walked out of a grave. And he abandoned his grave so that one day you and I could abandon ours. And stories like this remind us that because of Jesus, death does not get the final say. Death does not have the final say. The sting of death has been taken. The grave has been overcome. And we have victory through faith in Jesus Christ. And so the same question I asked Donnie Gilray two years ago, the same question that Philip asked this man in Acts chapter 8 is the same question I ask you very simply this morning. Do you understand these things? 
Do you understand? Praise God for that. (laughs) Do you understand that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior? Do you believe that Jesus is that Savior? Are you prepared to turn from your sins and trust in Jesus Christ, his perfect life, death, and resurrection for your salvation? And are you prepared to publicly declare that and put the resurrection on display through your baptism today? You might be sitting there thinking, you're like, like today, today, and I'm, I'm like, like today, today. Like before you leave this place today, and you think this is crazy, we just had two young women in our first service this morning that did not show up expecting to be baptized, and they walked away with new life in Jesus Christ. And we celebrate that this morning. We mean today, today. We, we've, we've got several who already plan to be baptized today, but maybe your story is just like this man. You did not wake up this morning expecting to be baptized. And so you might be sitting there this morning like, well, Taylor, well, you and I just met. Hey, so had Philip in this man. You might say, I woke up this morning. I didn't really plan for this. Well, guess what? Following Jesus sometimes is going to mean doing things we didn't plan. It's going to mean stepping out of our comfort zone. It's going to mean sometimes he instructs us to go out to a desert place for the sake of meeting one person to share with them the good news of the gospel. And what better way to go ahead and get into the rhythm of doing things outside of your plan than following Jesus Christ in baptism today? Again, maybe your story's like mine. Maybe you're an unsaved Christian because that was me. You've, you've grown up in the church, and maybe you were even baptized at one point in time. So you say, well, Taylor, if I'm being honest, uh, yeah, I've been in the church, I was baptized, but I've never truly followed Jesus. Listen, friend, if you did not follow Christ when you got out of those waters of baptism, then you just went for a swim. What we believe as a church, baptism follows a genuine conversion to Jesus Christ. And our encouragement to you today is leave all doubt behind. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Turn from your sins. Call on his name for your salvation. Believe in his perfect life, death, and resurrection and be saved and be baptized. You might ask, is baptism really that important? Well, it's pretty important because it's the first thing Jesus commanded us to do when we became believers. He says in John 14, if we love him, we will keep his commandments. If we love Jesus, we demonstrate that love first by publicly professing faith in baptism. You might be here this morning and say, well, listen, I was sprinkled as an infant. And listen, we have all the respect in the world for traditions that baptize uh, uh, infants. Um, But we would just say very simply this morning, that wasn't a profession of your faith. That was a profession of your parents' faith. And the picture that we see in the New Testament is people who heard the gospel, believed it, and then publicly displayed that baptism through immersion. The word baptize simply means to immerse. We're showing visibly that we have been buried with Christ, that we're raised to new life in him. And our encouragement for you today would be to be fully obedient to the word of God by following him in baptism. Maybe you work through all that and you're still like, listen, I did not plan for this today. Not ready. I don't have a change of clothes. Guess what? We do. Believe it or not, we knew that this was going to happen today, and we have thought through every single detail. We have t-shirts, we have shorts, we have flip-flops, we have towels, we have bags for your stuff, men and women. We've got, we got undergarments, y'all, like new ones, by the way. Didn't, didn't goodwill that, like I got the makeup wipes, that was my wife's idea. Like we got everything that you need. We've got people out there, they're going to take professional quality video of this so you can share it with everybody. We have thought through every single detail of this for you today. But even if you work through all those things, you might still come to the same place that this man did in Acts chapter 8. And you feel that there is something that prevents you from being baptized. That there's something in your past, that there's something in your present that you're wrestling with and that you're struggling with, and you are just struggling to believe that God can really forgive you for your sin. My friend, the good news for you today is that Jesus is way better at saving than you and I are at sinning. 
His grace is always greater than our sins. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the apostle, says of, uh, the apostle Paul says of Jesus that he became sin. He didn't become a sinner, but he became sin. He became sin who knew no sin. Lord made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ at the cross became your sin. He became that humiliating mistake that you made 10 years ago. He became your guilt. He became your shame. He took it upon himself. That means at the cross, Jesus became your one night stand. Jesus became the affair. Jesus became your divorce. Jesus became the porn addiction. Jesus became the substance abuse. Jesus became the gossip. Jesus became the slander. Jesus became the anger. He became the ugliest of our ugly. The worst that we've done, he became all of it. Why? So that you and I could become perfectly righteous through faith in his name. He is way better at saving than you and I are at sinning. And there is nothing you can bring to Jesus today that he did not crush at the cross. There's nothing you can show him that's going to cause him to keep you at arm's length. He welcomes you in. The bad news this morning, y'all, is that you and I are more helpless to reverse our spiritual condition than even this man was his physical condition. We can't fix this on our own. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came And he lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. And he died on a cross, the sinner's death that we deserve. He endured the humiliating agony of crucifixion so that we could be rescued from death, from eternal death and destruction under the wrath of God and be raised to new and eternal life in him.